up everyone and welcome to the first official episode of the newest first responder podcast heritage of heroes i of course am your host looking for the most the man without a plan the one and only dusty smith guys i've done it i've beat out my procrastinating self and have prepared this episode and it is dropping essentially may the first if you guys know me you know that i'm a pretty big deal to overcome with me but what is a bigger deal is that this is the podcast of the people it's about our heroes our hometown heroes our very own first responders so for everyone listening i want to thank you guys for being here and enjoying the introductory episode if you've listened to it and of course this episode right here is going to be our roll call episode I definitely want to give a shout out to all the hardworking people out there wearing a badge in fire, MS, law enforcement, and communications. It's been hard. We all know it's been hard. COVID being shorthanded, whatever the case may be, if you've worked at all, refuse to be sick, refuse to give up, or drag an ass looking like death warmed over, and don't know how many more days you can do it without a vacation, then let me tell you that you are absolutely a rock star. Hold on tight, don't let go, and remember, not everyone is going to see what you do, but the ones that will, it'll matter. So, some information going down that I've been looking through social media and stuff like that, it's very important. I want to ask everybody to take a minute. We've had some deaths this past week um, in our agencies across the United States. I first want to take a minute and send our love and support out to ASAP EMS over in Mississippi. Paramedic Gabrielle Boutwell, also known as Gabby, was injured in a motor vehicle collision and after about a week of being in the hospital, uh, succumbed to her injuries and answered her final call. A Facebook post from ASAP EMS out of Alabama posted that Gabby was an amazing paramedic who touched many lives in her career. Do have some friends from that area, so I definitely wanted to get that out there that we are thinking of you guys. We love you guys. You're never going to be able to let this go. Losing a person that you've worked with, a friend, is a very hard thing, and a lot of us know how you feel, so our hearts go out with you guys. Especially goes out to all the ones in the community, her friends, her family, her loved ones, and also ASAP EMS over in Mississippi. And of course, we're also noting FDI is mourning the loss of one of their own 31 year old firefighter, Timothy Klein of Ladder Company 170, died in the line of duty during a three alarm fire in Brooklyn. Definitely want to send out our condolences. To not only the Klein family, but also his fellow brothers and sister firefighters in the FDNY. No losses ever easy, and even just one loss is way too many. And also, we're noting a tragic loss from the KC Police Department located in South Carolina. Officer Drew Barr was killed in the line of duty during a domestic disturbance call. Um, for anybody that knows anything about law enforcement, domestic disturbance calls are one of the most and can be one of the most violent calls that any law enforcement officer goes on. Not only was Barr an officer with the department for six years assigned to the K-9 division, but he was also a captain with the Moneta Volunteer Fire Department. 
it is definitely definitely a tragic loss and a difficult loss for those in the department the community also his friends and family so if we can everybody just let's stop and take a minute and let's just remember these fine individuals who work in our profession who are our brothers and our sisters who have lost their life Guys, this is one of the reasons we need to all be here for each other. In a split second, you know, life has changed for so many people, especially the families of friends and departments of these individuals. And I think so many of us who work in these professions witness more than most of how short life can actually be. You know, we work all that we can to make money to provide for our families. We spend way too much time away from our families and when we do have time with them, essentially we have to sleep or train so we don't get a lot of the time with our family that even our family needs. And of course, we we as individuals need to do better. You know, we will still do all we can for work and give you know our organizations a hundred percent but we need to realize that there is a limited and and I am saying for all agencies head listening your your employees have a limit I mean we we all have our limitations and we can only do so much at any given time but I think also in the same aspect employers need to realize this I mean if employers would look at it you know you got employees that are like sports cars and I mean, if you drive those cars all the time, as hard as you can freaking go, they're they're not going to last long. I mean, absolutely, they're not going to last long. Um, also, if you have great employees, why wouldn't you do all you can, you know, to keep them, help them out, you know, don't let them burn themselves out, don't let them run themselves ragged, you know, keep some accountability on the fact that these employees you know you want them to be able to go and do as much as they possibly can but in the same instance just keep an eye out on these employees you know if you have an employee that's working like 70 80 90 hours a week in this consistent it's a non-stop thing i mean look at these people and be like hey you know we are appreciative of what you do we appreciate of all the work but you gotta slow down and if it's an issue you know if they're you know needing money and stuff for their families and to provide and this and that other than maybe as an organization start looking at it as the fact well maybe we need to get our people more pay you know we we need to keep these people you know employees are not a dime a dozen and especially your senior employees that have been there for you forever who have worked their ass off who have done everything and they can and they have stuck with the agency for time and time and time and time again i mean these are essentially the employees you want to keep. So why not do all you can? Don't let them get burned out, guys. I mean, administration, keep a lookout on your employees. You know, definitely keep a check-in on them and stuff like that. And make sure that they are okay. Make sure that they are fine. You know, we love to hear. You know, we love to hear from our admin. You know, just if nothing else, an appreciation. Hey, man, you know what? Thank you for all that you do. We, I know we can't give you a lot. and We might not say it enough, but... Every now and again, even a thank you can go a long way. So for anybody who's been keeping up with everything, FDIC International 2022 was held in Indianapolis this past week. It's very interesting to see some of the photos and information uh, on the FDIC's Facebook page. 
I noticed a photo posted that showed a firefighter with essentially virtual reality simulation gear on. Uh, it was the headset, and it also had like a made-up fire hose and stuff like that. And definitely looking at that, I think it's very interesting. Take a concept about how future training can be provided, you know, and going to the firehouse side of the aspect stuff like that even in, in talking about this virtual training you know how is this going to be prominent in the future of firehouse trainings as far as virtual reality i mean virtual reality right now is to the point where individuals have it in their home they're playing video games and we're talking about some very very realistic video games i mean even to the point let you know, people that play it, even myself, who has, you know, it is unreal. It's uncanny how realistic this stuff is. Just to have a headset on and see it, and it's so close to reality, it's insane. So, you know, I think there's something interesting coming in the fire service and something to look for in the future. But then in the same aspect, you know, how is this going to differentiate between reality training, you know, putting on the air pack, going in a fire, fighting that fire, feeling the heat, feeling the steam, you know, watching the flames move up the wall, across the ceiling, you know, how, how is this virtual reality and realistic training going to differ and which is going to be more prominent in the coming future? I mean, essentially virtual reality training keeps you from going through the dangers that come in realistic training. I mean, hands down, if you guys think about it, it does. I mean, it doesn't put you in that element, but it gives you the training that goes along with it. And as technology advances, I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, if the fire service will start limiting realistic training and increasing virtual training. You know, it's definitely interesting. And, of course, there's a lot of pros and cons, especially when it comes to these trainings. You know, law enforcement and military have been using virtual training for years. And it seemed to work pretty well in providing experience. Um, you know, law enforcement does a lot in simulation training where they're able to walk into a situation. And the situation essentially talks to them and they see the situation happy and and transpire right in front of them and then they have to learn to make the decision am I gonna shoot somebody or if I'm not gonna shoot anybody you know can I de-escalate the situation military has done the exact same training and how well it's worked because it doesn't put them in the danger of actual the real live fire training and things of that nature so I think it's definitely gonna be very very interesting to see from the firehouse standpoint as far as new and upcoming training how it moves in the future how technology progresses and helps firefighters train in a safer environment you know even even now in local colleges and community colleges that do initial EMS training you have some virtual reality simulation and the programs are becoming more as far as virtual reality being able to train in virtual reality and even your mannequins I mean I think it's unreal 
the development of mannequins now versus 10 years ago. You know, the fact that mannequins are so real, they're talking, they're doing all grades of things like vomiting and lung sounds. I mean, it's, it's unreal to see how technology has affected, you know, as far as our training and everything goes. So I definitely want to know from you guys' standpoint, especially you guys from the fireside, let me know. I mean, I think there is a good topic and something good to bring up. You know, of course, you need the realism of training so that way firefighters know, you know, how to manage a fire in reality, how to be able to react when you're using your SCBA in a fire and being able to put out the fire, see what fire does, you know, as it climbs up a wall, as it rolls across the ceiling, you know, flash simulators, all these live fire trainings and everything like that. I, I really feel like we essentially still need them. And I'm not talking about knocking them out or anything like that, but it really should be interesting to see how training will go from this point forward. Will there be a limitation as to far the actual realistic and realism fire training versus virtual training? So, definitely, guys on the fire side, let, let me know what you guys think your thought process as far as this goes. I, I feel like I'm going to get maybe a 50-50 on uh, what everybody thinks as far as which one's going to be better. But I, I think we can all agree that there's good qualities on both sides of the fence. So definitely hit up the Facebook page. Let me know what you guys think as far as that goes. You know, definitely something interesting to talk about. Moving over to the EMS side of the house, for anyone that's in North Carolina, the North Carolina EMS Expo, formerly known as EM Today, uh, is beginning in Greensboro this coming week. EMS providers from all over North Carolina will be in attendance. Even Lenore Community College's own Darla Bozeman will be a guest speaker with her class of mental health training and coping strategies in EMS education. So if you guys are up there, definitely take the time to enjoy the class. She is a wonderful educator with a lot of information to provide. I've known Darla for a while. Very great, wonderful person. She's trying to do so, so much. And I'm telling you guys, definitely would be an interesting class to go to. With that being said, it brought up an idea. And I want to get a lot of people's thoughts. It popped in my mind. And I've never seen anybody bring this up. I've never heard anybody bring this up, so I want to bring this up today. An interesting question, and it makes me wonder. Should EMS providers have required mental health evaluations every so often? Now, before anybody gets all worked up, you guys just, just listen to me. I think this is definitely a question for any profession in the realm of emergency services or first responders, not just EMS. The reason I bring it up on the EMS side of the house is because we as professionals see people in the worst medical times. Traumas, cardiac arrest, abuse, neglect. I mean, essentially the list goes on and on. And I'm not saying only EMS sees these moments, but they always see these moments. And though the amount of times providers see these ranges differently, like, you know, 
one organization may not see it as much as another organization and so on and so forth but I think it essentially affects people um, as far as our providers in many many different ways case in point in less than one complete year I personally was on three pediatric arrest calls all three children they, they didn't make it none of them out of three none of them made it um, and, and I guess one of the things is not so much the fact that it was an actual child but one of these actually occurred on Father's Day and let me tell you as a father that is one of the toughest situations and, and I think anybody who's ever been in that instance will definitely know and understand what I'm talking about is the fact when you have children and you go into a situation like this I think it definitely plays a little bit harder because you see things that can happen and you appreciate what you have you know in these moments I think you really take a step back and it's a sigh of relief that your children are healthy or or they're in a better place you know essentially as far as what is going on in that moment in time dealing with a situation like that and that essentially affects a lot a lot of people calls like this do so much to providers and one of the things is a lingering question could I have done more you know a lot of us as providers it's one of the things we always look at is in a situation where we essentially are not able to bring someone back it, it, I think it's always a lingering question even for the best of us was there anything else we could do was there more that we could do and you know a lot of times we we have essentially done all we can we have given everything that we have we have used our brain and thought of every single solitary thing that we can fathom to do to be able to make this situation better and sometimes we just have to realize that we we can't do any more we can't do any more than what we've already done though it's not every time when EMS calls come down to the wire of life and death providers give it their all not only emotionally but also physically and you know how much death you know can one person see in a career and still be mentally okay you know in a time where PTSD is more prevalent than it was 15 years ago you know it's, it's a very difficult thing how much can one person take you know I, I grew up in the system of you know in situations like this you know it was uh, you know get your shit together suck it up move on and in that time I guess it was prevalent but now it's not so much you know we we really need to pay more attention to our providers in these situations and what are we doing you know I know a lot of agencies use critical incident stress debriefings and things of that nature but are our providers taking advantage of that or are they providers who can't just necessarily go to a critical incident stress debriefing 
and be okay? And, and how much further help do they need? Are they even going to realize that they may need some help? You know, the, these are some lingering questions. Because for those who are like, you know, try to shake it off and let it go, how will it affect them tomorrow? How will it affect them six months from now or a year from now? And I really wonder if this is mental health is something we need to pay more attention to. We need to work on more as far as EMS goes. And I think it stems for all, you know, first responder groups as far as fire, law enforcement, even telecommunicators. I mean, let, let's not forget those guys. They they don't see it, but a lot of times they do hear it. You know, they hear it over the phone. And how does that affect them? Um, and nothing says that the evaluation would keep you from working your profession. But it could help move people to a place where they could receive help from prof- professionals who could help prolong the mental health of the EMS provider themselves. You know, and, and in talking with that, you know, what levels do you think, you know, we should do? You know, not necessarily saying that, hey, you know, you have a meeting this month with the shrink, you need to go sit down and talk with the shrink, this and that, the other, because we don't want to essentially put somebody in a position where they don't feel comfortable in doing it. But in the same instance, you know, I think we need to find a way. We we really need to look in it and see how we can help, you know, our EMS professionals. We're doing so much as far as trying to prevent physical injury of the EMS provider because that is something that is very prevalent for EMS providers. It happens. You know, we're getting electric stretchers and we have better quality stair chairs and there's so much more that we're doing as far as the physical aspect but what about the mental aspect not only are we talking about the stress of work itself but then you tack on the stress of your home life along with that what does that combination do you know these are things I really think we need to look into and we really need to sit down and talk about. And it's not that you would have to do it every day, every year or whatnot, but case in point with the state of North Carolina, every time you research, you know, why not have that opportunity where we figure out a way that's comfortable for everybody to be able to sit down with someone who is a medical or a mental health professional and say, hey, you know what, just take a few minutes to talk to them and whatnot, and let's just get a grasp or a general idea about what's going on. Law enforcement officers have to take a psych eval, you know, whenever they start into law enforcement. Their departments and agencies send them through a psych eval. So I don't necessarily think that it is something that's asking too much. I think definitely figuring out a way to do it in a manner that you know, our employees would feel comfortable about it, but then in the same aspect saying, hey, you know, this is something that's going to be a requirement. It's not that we're out at you, not against you or anything like that, but we want to help prolong your mental health and make your mental health better than what it may currently be. And guys, I'll be honest with you, 
I have spoken to a mental health professional before. You know, I, I saw it in myself that I was having issues as far as anger issues and things of that nature and whatnot, and, and I initiated it myself. I'm currently not going, but I feel a lot better after going for the amount of time that I did. I feel a lot better about myself. I found in going a lot of ways to essentially help as far as my mental health, finding ways to better it and, you know, essentially prolonging the fact of, you know, what was going to be a bad situation if I kept going the way I was going. And I know not everybody can come out and say that they need mental health, and I wish everybody would, because if you're having problems, you're having issues, don't be afraid to speak out about it. You know, find somebody. There, There's always, I fully believe there's always one person in your life that you can go out and talk to about these things. And if you don't feel like you can go talk to a mental health professional, find a friend. Find a friend to talk to. And everybody, if you're that friend, if you're the one that is called upon, guys, do everything you can for that person. You know, let, let's do everything we can to help not only our brothers and our sisters because for them it could be them right now and it could be us later on down the road and we we need to have that person so it's definitely definitely something i want to hear what you guys think and for this question not only ems but you know let's talk about it from all aspects communications law enforcement the fire side of the house let's all talk about this because I think it really needs to be something. And if it's not an evaluation every so often, you know, that's a requirement, let's figure out a way that we at least do something to help the mental health of not only ourselves but other employees because we want them to be there as long as possible. We want them to stick around. So, moving over to the blue side of the house for our brothers and sisters wearing the badge and managing the streets, let's talk about the effects of social media on today's officers. Social media has definitely been a both has been both a positive and I think negative for officers in today's times like it has never ever been. The range of the good to the bad is, you know, departments are using social media to disseminate information to public on events, crimes, and even asking for help in locating criminals. To officers who are using media like TikTok to post videos, which sometimes they're doing at work, and of course a lot of people are going to have, you know, their comments about, well, why aren't they out there doing their job? You know, why are they posting on social media while they're at work? This and that, the other, blase, blase. Are they allowed to do it? Does their department allow? You know, that's that's kind of the median. And then, of course, to the extreme of citizens going live on social media platforms when interacting with officers. Of course, the latter of these has been found to be a very large issue with officers because like body cameras, people going live on social media when interacting with officers. But I think what's unfortunate about this is not every video shows the whole aspect of the encounter. I think a lot of people can agree that when we look in a lot of social media lives that have to do with our fellow law enforcement officers, it shows them in a bad light, but it definitely shows the incomplete story. 
and this is really affecting our officers because it is giving a one-sided story without the other side of the story and people are believing this one side to be true without question and I think it's definitely doing and having damaging effects on law enforcement officers and I think it's really making a negative thing with the community because with social media I mean you take one person who takes social media posts and they put it out there and it can be shared by 10 people and those 10 turn into 30 and those 30 turn into 80 and 80 turns into hundreds and thousands and so on and so forth for a half told story and then the community people that see it they are outraged and they don't care they're, they're some people care to hear about the whole story not everybody cares to hear the whole story because they are focused on what they see and that is it so it's very unfortunate that this is happening um, and you know the big question is how are officers managing with this I mean you know if you're if you're an officer what effect does it play into if you go to do like a traffic stop or anything like that and somebody automatically throws up a phone and they're like I'm recording you you know how's that affecting you guys I mean is it changing your perspective about how you manage that interaction with the individual I mean it's really a big question I hope that essentially it wouldn't and the reason why I say that is because I feel like if an officer pulls somebody over for a specific reason and they have it in their mindset that for this reason they're gonna let's say for example they're gonna write a citation just because somebody blows up a cell phone in their face and whatnot and says I'm recording you you know that it's not gonna change the aspect of what's gonna happen I know it makes it difficult for officers sometimes and in videos that I've seen that officers it really pisses them off when somebody does that and some departments don't agree with people recording while they're doing their interaction and this and that and that and I think it's a very difficult and very sensitive area and how are officers managing through this you know there are good videos there are bad videos and, and it's like any other profession we've got great wonderful people that are really trying to do their job and then we have some of the worst people that are taking advantage of their profession and their abilities and stuff like that and I'll be the first one to say hey you know that is a legit thing not everybody is a great person that works in our professions we all know that we see those on a daily and it's unfortunate that they still work there but until such time that they're found to be using and taking advantage of their positions and whatnot there's not really a lot that we can do and I really wish that the citizens and people in our communities would more understand that than what they do I think some do a lot don't makes it totally difficult makes it very very difficult so on the fireside house guys let me know 
do you have any policies as far as when you're engaging with somebody and they are live on a social media platform does it change things for you guys you know what is your policy for that is it okay is it not okay how are you managing through such instances is it changing the way you do things just because you're on camera I would dare hope not and in these situations I really hope and I really really believe that this is where body camera footage and agencies with body cameras should really really be increased and if your agency doesn't have body cameras I really really think in these situations you need them because it's one thing for somebody to go live only get half of the situation and your officer is shown in a bad light because at that point then you're going to sit down you're going to talk with the officer and he's going to say well that was not the case this this and this but it's hard to prove that because you do not have the proof because of course people are going to point the finger and say well yes of course he's going to say that he wasn't doing anything wrong but if you have a body camera and a body camera activates from the moment the officer steps out of his car and doesn't stop until he is advised from his policy that he can end it when he gets back in the car and he's done with that situation, that's really going to be the saving grace. You know, I've known officers that do not agree with having body cameras. They absolutely didn't want it, but in the same instance, my mentality has always been, I have nothing to prove, I have nothing to hide, put a body camera on me, I'll run it like it's supposed to be run, because I'm not afraid. And I really think that needs to be the mentality, not to mention the fact, guys, body cameras are and will be a saving grace to you. They really, really will. So... If you're in the mentality that you don't like body cameras, it's cool that you got your opinion. And if you feel that way, hey, hammer down and whatnot. I really do feel like, though, you're really missing out. And you really, really need to take an in-depth look at it. Because it is definitely a saving grace. So, just my thoughts on that. Like I said, you guys, hit me up on the Facebook page for Heritage of Heroes. Give me your opinions. Let me know what you guys think. Moving on, of course, to our wonderful telecommunicators. Back in the introductory episode for Heritage of Heroes, one of the things we talked about with telecommunicators was the pay of telecommunicators. So I decided to take some time and I went in depth um, as far as the pay for telecommunicators. And let me tell you what I found, guys. I was astonished. I really, really was astonished whenever I saw this information. I was like, wow. Because it really makes me feel like a lot of agencies are not paying their telecommunicators what they should be paid. So guys, check this out. Um, so I did a search online of average pay for public safety telecommunicators. And it showed me in 2021, okay, just last year, so the median pay for telecommunicators, man, it was it was unreal. $46,670 a year, or essentially $22.44 an hour. I mean, 
I don't know about anybody else, but wow. Now, even looking into this, I'm shocked because I'm not sure where those locations are, but I know they aren't around here where I live. They they absolutely are not. It would be nice, and I know there's a bunch of dispatchers that live in the area that's listening to this podcast, and they're like, dude, we need that pay. Where is that pay at? So I'm like, yeah, like, show me the money. That's what it is. They're like, Tom Cruise right now, show me the money. Um, also, if anybody wants to know where I pulled that number from, it's listed under www.bls.gov, which is the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The site noted that the lowest 10% of public safety telecommunicators earned less than $29,340 a year, and the highest 10% earned more than $63,000 a year $63,940 a year good god almighty which of course that's probably in larger cities and things of that nature where the cost of living is higher and I get it I mean I look I understand local governments can only pay so much I get that but what I think they're not really understanding some agencies are um, especially around here some agencies are starting to realize that no, it's not always about the money, but guess what? Money talks, and as the saying goes, money talks, bullshit walks. You know, that that's it. Money talks. And that's what a lot of people are looking at because a lot of people have families that they have to provide for, and they have to make the money. They don't want to work their ass off for little to no pay whatsoever. They want to be able to make enough to sustain a livelihood for their family. So, I mean, I get that, and I get that it can't happen everywhere, and it's all based on a lot of things, you know, tax-based. It's based on, you know, how long you've been at that job, what certifications you have, what is the cost of living for that general area. I truly do get that, but I think it's something we definitely need to talk about. We definitely need to look into because dispatchers making less than $29,340 a year. Guys, are you kidding me? That is the lowest 10% earned, $29,340 a year. If your agency is paying that, then I'm saying to that agency, guess what? You guys need to raise your numbers. That, that That's not a way to live. It, it's not. It's difficult these days to make anything less than, I, I don't know, Let's jump on the ball of at least $35,000 a year. You know, for this area, I think $35,000 a year. Not when you have places like Hobby Lobby. Okay, Hobby Lobby paying what? Eight, 18 what I think it was $18 an hour. $18 an hour to work at Hobby Lobby. Um, What was it a couple weeks ago? Verizon. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Verizon employees even their mental employees would start making twenty dollars an hour twenty dollars an hour now i get it verizon hobby lobby major companies with buku's amounts of money i totally get it but let's look at it from the standpoint of these professions these are very important professions and i will be the first one to admit i'm sorry but Hobby Lobby, 
Verizon, yeah, we need Verizon for cell phones, but there are other cell phone companies. These companies are paying more than what people who are essentially dealing with people's livelihoods on a daily basis are making. Okay? I mean, let's call it duck-a-duck. Let's say what it is. Public safety positions are priority positions and as such should be paid for such. We're not asking for millions and millions of dollars. We don't go into these careers thinking that we're going to be making so much money that when we retire, we will get to have everything. There are people that are retiring that just are getting by. They love the job. They love what they've done with the job. That's why they did the job. It's not about the money to them. But in the same instance, we need to start paying those people for what they do. You know, I don't value myself as an employee who should make, you know, $500,000 a year. But in the same instance, don't sit there and tell me that I'm only worth $25,000 a year when I'm working 60 to 70 to 80 hours a week to not only fill my spot at my position, but also to fill other people's spots and things of that nature. I'm worth way more than that. And I think that's the thing about it. We really need to start looking at it. And this is, you know, in regards to administration and even your local governments. County managers, town managers, or city managers, city councils, county commissioners, you name it. Whoever makes the decision as far as what your organization's budget will be. Guess what, guys? We really, really need to pay attention to this. We really need to start looking at this more. Let's pay these people what they deserve. And dispatchers, I'm telling you right now, I'm here for you. The $29,340 a year, that, that, that's not enough. That is not enough. The lowest 10% on dispatchers should at least be $35,000. That is my opinion. That's what I think. Tell me what you guys think. Make a comment on the Facebook page. Let me know. Telecommunicators, I love you guys. You know I'm always going to fight for you guys. Been there, done that. So I know where you're at. Anyways, let me know. So guys, I want to tell you, I can't help but say thank you to everyone who's gone and who has checked out the podcast so far. I know the introductory episode. And today, I am lingering behind. <laughs> um, this was essentially supposed to be posted last night, just before midnight, so it would pop on Spotify. Cool thing is, I'm using Anchor, which is providing this podcast to Spotify. And they are fabulous let me tell you it, anchor is hands down i've only done one podcast but whenever i posted it it did not take but i i'd say 15 20 minutes to post so as soon as i finish up here and get this edited and everything like that it is going to post as well so i'm sorry it's taken so long it should have been out earlier this morning i want to say though i appreciate you guys so so much Today we dropped our Facebook page. Today, look up Heritage of Heroes, just like it's spelled, for the podcast. You'll find us there. Also, if anybody wants to send out an email to me, let me know. The email address is www.heritageofheroes at gmail.com. Also, guys, remember we are still offering 
the chance to provide information on any upcoming benefits or fundraisers for your agency is having. Also, if you're interested in sponsoring an episode, send me a Facebook message or an email, and I'll be glad to work with you guys on that opportunity. You know, this podcast is for everyone here, and the more interactive we have, I think the better and farther we can go with our profession and as a unified family. Guys, this this is for you. I, the, the reason I do this is for you because essentially we need a larger voice and I want to make this the voice. Not to mention the fact I want this to be a place that you guys can come to. We can talk about things, this and that. other. We can network. You can meet people. Whatever the case may be, that's what this whole podcast is for. You know, it's not about fame, it's not about glory, because guess what? I didn't get into any of these professions for fame and glory. Trust me, not what I want. But in the same instance, I knew that our professions needed a platform. This was the platform, and this was the idea that I had, and I hope it is a very worthy idea. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you so very much for being here, for listening. I love you guys. Like I said, remember to check out Facebook. Remember, 1st and 15th of every month, we're going to have episodes on Spotify. Next episode, May 15th. You guys be here. We'll be interviewing David Miller, one of my closest friends. Wonderful guy. He's ready to go. I'm ready to go. Going to be a lot of stories. We're going to conversate about a lot of things. One in particular for you guys on the fireside of the house these electric fire apparatus it's a big thing he wants to talk about and if you guys haven't seen any go on to tiktok if you got tiktok or go on to facebook whatever social media or even do a google search rosenbauer of america that do fire apparatus it was posted for the fdic page and also for their own tiktok page their first electric fire apparatus was showcased at FDIC in Indianapolis. It's for the Los Angeles City Fire Department. Wow. I mean, just from watching the video, it's wow. And then watching a video on Rosenbauer's actual TikTok page of this thing being able to turn around inside the hall that it was at, essentially in the general area. Oh, my God. You guys, you guys got to watch it. Get on there, watch it, check it out. It is hands down amazing. Me and David are going to talk about it. I really want to get some more information. So if anybody knows anybody who is promoting these new electrical apparatus, please send me a message, send me an email, let me know. I really want to sit down. I really am interested in talking with somebody about this. So if you know anybody, definitely hit them up. Thank you to everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you will enjoy more episodes. Make sure to hit the follow button on Spotify. Also ring the bell so that way you'll be noticed when new podcast comes out. Thank you very much. Everyone remember to be safe out there. Hope to hear from you all soon. And if you are at work or you're going into work, remember, I hope you have a very quiet shift.